0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses, yet again, Queensryche's Operation Mindcrime. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Boclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver. I'm once again joined by my very good friends Tom Corcoran, Ken Gregory, and Paul Zotter as we continue just languishing in the beauty that is Operation Minecraft. gentlemen two updates from me since last week
1: number one i'm still loving this album more and more every time i listen to it and and number two i i still can't sing the mission
2: front to back impossible impossible (laughs) oh but that beginning just just lures you in doesn't it it does false sense of of
1: security
3: Uh, i i was telling joe before we um before you guys got on that, you know, every week, you know, my my, my time with uh, whatever the subject matter is that we're talking about. And so I I go into Operation Mind Prime, li- listening to it, thinking like, okay, there isn't anything else that I could actually possibly put in my notes. And then I listen, I start listening to it and I go, oh, shit. <laughs> there's like, <laughs> there's always something that I I catch some like golden moment that I'm like, okay, I have to add this. So Mm. it's just, it's just
0: never ending. All right. So here we are third episode on operation mind crime where a smidge less than halfway through the record at this point, which is completely intentional. I mean, again, I, I think we went into, to this album, just willing to be self-indulgent because this was, this was a big deal when we were growing up and it still is a big deal. And Paul, to your point, yeah, we've been listening, at least, you know, I've been listening to this, you know, in heavy rotation for a month now, and I'm still not done. It's still just absolutely delightful. And so we got through um, – We got through spreading the disease and now we're we're into what I like to describe as the meat of the story, both, you know, narratively as well as musically, I think. So when we get into the mission and obviously we'll have another conversation about Sweet Sister Mary, we had we have jokingly you know, made reference amongst ourselves off air that, you know, this episode literally could probably be two hours on the mission in Sweet Sister Mary. And and I don't, I don't think that's entirely hyperbolic because these two songs are just fucking epic. And, and the back half of the album is, you know, just as epic. So there's still a lot to cover here, but, We've sort of made a, a gentleman's agreement amongst ourselves to try to finish out the, you know, covering here, the, the studio record. And so we'll see, you know, we'll see how we do that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
1: I think you could make an argument that, I mean, it seems crazy to say this halfway through the album, but I'm, this is kind of the climax of, of this album. Yeah. These two songs. Uh, very much the turning point of these two albums but but i think also the the musical high and it's not like they let you down too much further after no you know you get through these next two but there's just something special about these two songs the way they really suck you into the pain and suffering of both of the 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 characters here and how it propels the story to the next to the next level now, Joe, in the booklet that we both have now, yes, did you notice at the top of the mission, there is a little bit of a libretto? Yes. And they have a couple of things that I find peculiar. One appears to be the misspelling of salvation, or do they truly mean to say slavation? Interesting. Is that even a, is that even a word then they spell candle c a n d e l e is there any other form of the
0: English that spells candle that way Candley. i'm I'm going to guess we just have poor editing that's crazy <laughs> as much money as presumably was spent on this yes um, with all the different typesets and And the layers of images on these things, it is uh, it it certainly is an interesting sort of um, mistake to have made.
2: Well, now you've gone and pushed my buttons. I was listening to an old uh, Eddie Trunk interview with Jeff Tate and Jeff Tate mentioned the small print of the lyrics. And he said that was a barrier reaching the fans in the beginning because there was slow adoption to Operation Mindcrime. So maybe it was so small they couldn't even catch the mistake. Well, it's, it's certainly...
0: Like, no, I, I, I'm going to disagree because I think I'll have to go back and look. I have not, but I want to say that in the original CD as well as the remastered CD, the lyrics are all straightforward. Here we have what appear to be very clearly designed pages. The, the typesets are different for each, each track. There are you know, font size differences, certainly here in the mission. And I don't recall these little, uh, did you call it a libretto, Paul? These little sort of interlude stage direction type things at yeah, the beginning. Just, they're, exactly. They're just telling you what's going on in the story. So I, I, my impression is, and if anyone knows, please tell us, but my impression is that this, this particular packaging is all newly done, but Irrespective yeah. of whether whether people can read it in the CD booklet or not, it's just not good editing to it's have these sorts of unforced errors. You don't, you don't
1: expect you don't expect to see that. I do take exception to the idea that there there was slow adoption to Operation Mindcrime. I mean, Tom Corcoran's immediate reaction, case in point. But I read and I I skipped ahead in the Building an Empire book. And pr- it sounds pretty much like they released the album almost zero promotion, other than just you know the normal regular first first channels, and they sold as many copies as they did Rage for Order, which seems very fitting for Queensryche because how else are they going to sell a bunch of records? Who who even knew, right? Until Eyes of a Stranger hit uh, MTV, and then it went crazy. So I just think that it was a I don't know if it was slow adoption as much as just you know slow sales, because it took a little while
0: for the promotional gamut to get running it, It's interesting you mentioned that, Paul, because obviously eyes of a Stranger hitting MTV was sort of like the the big thing, and I don't know what the series of events was, but then they did that sort of video montage of this, the six songs. Video on, Mind Crime. Yes, Video Mind Crime. Thank you. I, I just watched that
1: tonight. I loved it. <laughs> I it. It literally took me back to being like a freshman in college when when that video came out and, and getting that VHS tape. That, but, that was. But but
0: think about this, right? Because this is their third record, and and honestly, you know, obviously with Empire and Silent Lucidity, I mean, Queensrÿch sort of became darlings of MTV for a moment. I think the the video mind crime helped sort of sell them because at that point, you know, they, they weren't bad to look at. But but think about where they were on the last record. Hmm. They made one video for Rage for Order. And, and now suddenly someone, and this could be the change in, in management, right? Yeah. All of a sudden someone says, Hey, this MTV thing might be our key. Let's let's leverage off of this. So yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, it seems to have all of the, the the trappings, right? They toured. They toured with what Def Leppard and Metallica incessantly, and I'm I'm sure they only toured as crazy as they did because they just kept selling more and more albums, and then when the video hit, they. But I, I just remember seeing that video and always feeling frustrated for Queensryche, as I do with so many bands that I like, because no one really know- knew about them, and how frustrating it must have been for them. Like even Operation Mindcrime, like how do you release an album such as that and then only get opening slots to tour? Like you can't, you can't even express your whole concept album because you're trying to squash your whole career into you know, a 45-minute opening act set on someone else's stage. And and I remember watching that video feeling literally experiencing joy at how happy the band looked playing those songs in those videos as if they, you know, were finally able to celebrate the greatness, you know, all on their own. And um, of course, we all know what happened later. They got to do the whole thing, you know. After Empire, but um,
0: yeah, which we'll talk about. Did you watch the making of Video Mind Crime? I did. Uh, that was quite entertaining. That, well, was, that for was different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. So if we get into this, if if everyone's agreeable, we're here at the mission, and it's funny with this, you know, this little extra tidbit here in the the expanded booklet. So it says. I'll read it again. Drowning in guilt, he sees sweet sister Mary as his only means to salvation. He lights another candle and flips through TV channels one by one. The familiar face of Father William appears. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Bang. It it sounds so simple, but it's such a genius way. When you get that acoustic coming in after the TV gets blown up and you hear all the tinkling glass and everything... It's just brilliant, yeah. And, oh, sorry, Joe. Go no, ahead. go ahead.
1: I just, you know, that moment when he says, "Bless me, Father Frierson," and pulls the trigger, like that is the that is the turning point of, right? Like, I mean, we've talked about how quickly we are introduced to the characters, we we experience their arc, and here we are. What is this track five, track six, and? You you realize that Nikki is dissatisfied and on the edge of losing his mind and revolting against what, what is happening. Doesn't like what he what he's doing.
0: And you know, some of that goes back to what was it? One of the first lines on the whole album is um for a buck I'd do about anything except pull the trigger. For that I'd need a pretty good cause. Being an assassin was not, you know. Nikki's goal in all of this. And so it's, it's easy to see how it could be a bit of a drain on him. Mm -hmm. And the, the note that I have here with regards to the mission is that the emotional timbre switches here and it's exactly that we're no longer buying into what Dr. X is selling. We're no longer trying to create a better world. Nikki's worn out. He's tired. He doesn't want to necessarily do this anymore. And, you know, I, I just think it's, uh, it, it's, it feels different. Now, one of the interesting things is this, this idea of the candle motif. Yes. And so I, I don't recall if we've seen this before in a previous song or not, but here it's very clear that these candles are lit in association with Nikki being given an assignment, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm I'm just going to pose the question here. On the next record, Another Rainy Night, also talks about candles from the hole in the floor wall. I forget what exactly the line is. So just a quick question. Do we think Another Rainy Night is leftover music from Mindcrime? I always thought that, yes, probably just because of those lines. but and and the rainy, right? Like this is right. yeah, because all nest. this is is around that rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. so it, it it fits in there perfectly. I don't think another rainy night would have maybe had quite as much impact squished in between yeah. the mission and sweet sister mary. So, you know, good editorial choice to maybe not include it now. And and I think it does wonderful on its own in empire, but I just, you know, you have to you have to sort of talk about that, I think. Yeah.
3: Hey guys, real quick. Do we know is there someone in particular who is on the other end of this gunshot or is this just sort of like a it's um, the tv
1: he shoots the tv
3: oh just the tv oh okay
1: okay it's tough this is one area where probably if you recorded tom you'd know better than anyone a gunshot in a small room into a tv all you would really hear is a deafening gun oh yeah right like it sounds like a little cap gun that goes yeah. off and it sounds like somebody dropped a couple like wine glasses on on the ground. So this one, the foley may not be up to par, but I well, think we get we get the picture of what's going on. But-
3: yeah, I mean, I did think about that, but I, I think in hindsight, uh, it's it's better to do what they did because you don't want to take too much, and em- you don't want to have too much emphasis on this because unless there's someone in front of the tv or behind the tv was getting killed it, it's not it's more of a metaphor really yeah. of, of what he's feeling um and uh, i mean a gunshot is just is deafening and and like you said the noise behind this would be you know crazy and i, I think um we go into an acoustic after this yeah. um we we'd sort of have our time um taking the listener out of it by having like a realistic gunshot and realistic sounds of, uh, hitting the TV, I, I think might be, um, there's a a suspension of disbelief that actually works here. Um, as, as opposed to being extremely realistic just for the sake of being realistic and then sort of, you know, (coughs) having a decibel level kind of go through the roof.
1: Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think it, it gets the point home perfectly. Um, shoots the TV. It's very symbolic of his sort of the moment that he
0: starts to drift away from
1: his mission.
0: God, the Holy Ghost is calling out to you. I want you to reach deep into your hands and your pocketbooks and take his hand. Uh, reach in your hearts and pocketbooks and take his hand. Uh, just, you know, even that line is is beautifully smarmy. Classic, yeah. So,
2: so... I was thinking that younger generations may not realize how much we put up. I mean, t- today you choose your own media and you choose to pull up your televangelist. Mm. But they mm. were all over broadcast TV and you would come across one, maybe watch a couple minutes just out of curiosity. But they were there. They were prevalent. They,
0: they were. were. Yeah. And, and you know one of the things that it's about them, and it's funny you mentioned Ken this idea of you know you'd come across them and you would stop and watch. I I didn't watch as often, but if I ever found myself driving in a car on a Sunday morning, I would scan through the radio and look for one because and and I mean this is you know part of the of the problem, right? These these televangelists and these these and now it's certainly in. In Texas, you have these mega churches, but these these preachers, ministers, whatever you want to call them, they are dangerously slash wonderfully charismatic, right? They're they're hypnotizing in a way. You know, you can kind of lose yourself in there. Now, for someone like me, it's just sort of a passing fancy. It's like, oh, okay, great. And you know, after five minutes, I'm I've had enough and I'm ready to move on. But it it is, it's interesting you know i was talking about the emotional timbre of of this song certainly from a, a narrative perspective but i think it it also the emotional timbre changes musically so this this sort of throbbing riff that goes through here it's relentless and it it, it to me it really sort of speaks to this this feeling of helplessness right and I just I find it I find it quite uh, not jarring is the word, but certainly notable. And at the same time, you know, Rock and Field is is literally driving this song, um, you know. And but but they're able to to add the texture in, right? So you start out with the acoustic, and there's the the first part of the solo section has that acoustic going as well. And yeah. I just you know, oh. You know, here again, I just think it's a great example of the band marrying the music to the narrative and and giving you oral, A-R-A-U-R-A-L, oral clues of what the story is and what's going on. I th- just think it's brilliant.
2: I have to say that these three songs are, are perfect. Two Wiltons and a DeGarmo. Uh, th- th- if, if I was at all distracted or not paying attention to Revolution and mind crime, I am wide fucking awake for, for, for the next three songs, straight through the mission. And the only reason I slow down with Sweet Sister Mary is because you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but this, is, this is the absolute peak of the album to me.
0: I think I would debate whether this is the, the peak or, or Sweet Sister Mary, but it doesn't really matter because they're both I just imagine a flat off signed wave because they're both yeah. spectacular. Yeah. I, I, I agree from the standpoint that the
1: mission and sweet sister Mary is, is the, the highlight, you know, the, these two songs together for me, it's hard to listen to one without yeah. going, going into the other. Yeah. The it, it's, it's, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know we had sort of these strings, uh, uh, orchestra at the end of, uh, anarchy x going into revolution calling i don't think we've heard them again i think it's been pretty much all metal i I think think so here from there to to now and then right on that uh right before that driving guitar track it's like the strings are there and then they
0: stick around for like the next 12 minutes and I, i will call attention to support my my rock and field comment um, the drum fill at the end of I search the Past Back to a Time When I Was Younger. Ah. Oh,
3: my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, I'll, I'll let you do your thing, Joe, but oh, I, that's, that's exactly what I was talking about when I said at the beginning of this episode, I was going through, and I was I played that section maybe about like 10, 12 times, and it It's amazing because that's I was like God. I never noticed this before, and I was trying to. I mean, I'm not a drummer, so you know, technically, I don't have the right words for it. But like, you expect to hear when I was younger. Da 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 da. The orders came. That's what you expect to hear. But somehow, in a Scott Rockenfield you know, way, he sort of he he. he, he slides into it, and he, he just he does this crazy thing. It's it's on the beat. I mean, everything is kosher, but it's just like it's yeah, it's not at what all what you expect. Like, I, I don't just like, <laughs> uh, and and it's just like it's 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 really an incredible drum fill that I didn't notice until like twenty minutes ago. I don't, <laughs> it's amazing that you bring it up. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you noticed because I <laughs> I just you know it's
0: what it's one of those. It's one of those like what is it one two seconds long, but I yeah. it's one of those things I wait for every fucking time and and yeah you're absolutely right I have no idea how to you know air drum that or whatever the fuck you want to call it I I, I don't know what the fuck he's doing but it's just wonderful
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's amazing where I can go okay this is what I think it should be in the head and I can sort of like do it the way I, I think it should go and then but like the actual drum uh, fill itself is like this it's like from Mars. It's like, it's like a, it's like a ghost that, that comes in and like does some sort of you know crazy thing, but it's, uh, it's, it's simple. It's, it's, it's not, he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't. Right. It's just, it's just, it's really nice. And uh, it's just one of those things that you just, you, you really appreciate these guys. And in, in moments like this,
1: for me, the big revelation is, is
3: in the chorus, you know,
1: for how many years, I just think of, right, which is kind of a riff on the Operation Mindcrime riff, right, it, and you got the guitars going in like octaves, you got the strings, you got the searing vocals, and like, literally, just like yesterday, I'm listening to this, and I'm going... Fuck. Listen to that bass underneath there. <laughs> it's just like this righteous tone just driving like while all that melody and stuff is going on, he is just hammering it out. And it it it's so satisfying altogether.
0: Gosh. It's genius. What can you say? Are you going to read any lyrics, Joe? I can if you would like. I think I think you should. So we can start at the beginning, because I love the beginning. We were talking about that um, at the top of the episode with regards to, again, this is one of those instances where Jeff will lull you into thinking that you're going to be able to sing one of his songs. Exactly. Until he dashes your hopes upon the rocks. So in a very low and comfortable register, he is saying, In the wooden chair beside my window, I wear a face born in the falling rain. I talk to shadows from a lonely candle, recite the phrases from the wall, I can't explain this holy pain. Six days ago my life had taken a tumble, the orders came from high above, they say. I need to use me once again, they've got my number. Further the cause boy, yes, you know the game. I'll wait here for days longer till the sister comes to wash my sins away. So again, you know, in and, and this whole sort of twisted relationship between Nikki and Mary is, is it's so fraught because there are so many different levels to it. It's not real, but you can project how fucked up that feeling must be between the, the absolution, the sex, the drugs. I mean, you know, what, what holds sway at any one time? Who knows? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, i love the imagery that you get, I mean, you can picture this room and, and the candles, it's just so powerful. But, but for me, the, that line, I'll wait here for days longer at the edge of the bridge. Like it captures like the desperation of, of Nikki, right? Like he, like, it just,
0: it's, it's just crazy how good it is. So let's talk about the description of the room, Paul, because I think that's another, great, um, that's another great verse here. I look around. My room is filled with candles, each one a story, but they end the same. I'll hide away in here. The law will never find me. The walls will tell the story of my pain. Ooh. Oh. Man, the underground will rise and save this world. We'll all stand proud. Our mission changed the world. We'll change the world. We'll all stand proud. It's almost like those are the last echoes of of what we're trying to do. And of course, in a matter of seconds, all you know, the last vestige of any sort of meaning is going to be wiped away for Nikki in this. But it's a really, really dumb connection. But you know, I like to I like to connect up weird dots in my head. So, Planet P Project's second album, Pink World, is all about you know a group of of people who survive a nuclear holocaust by being encased in a dome created by some psychically enabled uh, seven year old boy who can't talk. But there's there's a, a there's a song in there that talks about the military people who were trying to you know discharge this nuclear war and and there's repeated references to standing proud in that and it it just always kind of for some reason drags me back there um but it's a very i find that that line and that imagery to be very powerful
1: It, it it almost becomes like a regret to almost a like cynical
0: castigation of what he's doing castigation paul zotter Bring in the palaver words tonight. Well done. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's what happens when I don't have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so at the end of all of this, right, as much as I got excited about the, the sound design intro to Operation Mind Crime, this one takes the cake. Oh, yeah. This, this what is it, 10, 15 seconds of, of audio is, like, iconic for this record, and it's all, it, it's all layered in there perfectly. And, and, you know, you guys feel free to disagree with me if you want, right? But you've got the rain. You hear the car drive up. You hear the window go down. Just absolutely perfect sounds. Kill her. That's all you have to do. Kill Mary? She's a risk. And get the priest as well. And the window goes up and the car drives off. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah. And, and just in that moment, it's like I said, any sort of any vestige that that Nikki had sort of gets blown away because this this does not compute. Why the fuck am I being asked to kill Mar- Mary? Mary? Well, I love Mary. I can't kill Mary. And and, you know, but but the way that it's it's framed out because you get that rain right. That's plays such an integral part, certainly in the beginning of this song. I mean, the, the rain sort of stays around, yeah. you know, throughout the, the. I mean, it's, it's part of the song. It's not it just is. there. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And like, this goes into
1: like what you were saying, Joe, even when, you know, he's through his second verse, he's doing his second verse coming up to the door and, and Mary talks to him. The rain is still going. There's a choir kind of happening in the background and and she, like, speaks to him in the rhythm of the song, tells him to come in. It is it is totally 100% integrated. Incidentally, I do believe, Joe, you may remember, that the sound of the window going down is most likely from a late mid-80s Buick Century Limited uh, <laughs> model, which was my mother's car. And I swear, every time I rolled down the window <laughs> on my mother's car, I was like, kill her.
0: the buick 924 love it (laughs) oh my god
3: the subtleties here are nice because we hear that the window doesn't go down all the way that's very important because it says something about the character who's rolling down the window that he doesn't have respect for the person on the other side you know typically if you roll down the window and someone is on the other side you roll it down you don't just you know, roll it down just enough um, so you can you know get some words out. But uh, yes, he could be doing it because he doesn't want to get rained on. <laughs> but, um, okay, um, but there is something you know mysterious about it. and you know even in the video they have it. They, but you know before the video we that, this is what we had right. So um, you know we we can definitely uh, tell that um, the person who was rolling down the window is in charge, doesn't, is just, just wants to get in and out and, you know, say his business and, and go and, and just doesn't have respect for, for, for Nikki.
1: That's cool. I never really thought about that, Tom. That's pretty. Yeah. that awesome. That is a great insight. The, the other, the other, right as the car drives away, like while the choir's tuning up, there's also these, these like high, super high guitar, like squealies, like they're like almost like whistles. Mm. and they're all like sort of descending out of control it's like it is like you can almost hear nikki's wits just like leave him you know and and the conflict that he has here all of a sudden just begins like with those like guitar like it sounds chaotic it sounds like it's just it's chaos in his mind and <laughs>
0: yeah 20 seconds in and you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> and and so you've got all this great ambiance going around this, right? Um, all these different sounds and, and musics and 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 things coming in. It's such a simple thing, but it I think it's so effective. It's the time stamps, you know, yeah. just sort of whispered. 10 PM midnight. And <laughs> and you you get you know, you you get that, that nice tight snare hit after each of those. And it, uh, I just, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's it's so simple, <clears throat> but it gives me kind of goosebumps every time. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It, it just, it helps sort of create the whole picture, right? Because, you know, you can you can picture what a city looks like at 10 p.m. on a rainy night,
3: right? Hey, and- before we get too far into this, I, I have to, you know, Joe, you had a declaration back when you started this about uh, Operation Mind Prime. Uh, I, I just want to say, because uh, we sort of just like went from mission into this, like seamlessly, And I, I have a declaration about Sweet Sister Mary. Oh, this is definitely the my favorite song that we've covered or will cover. Um, I have to say, uh, I know that there are um, some people who are probably like freaking out because they know all, all the great stuff that we've done. Um, um and even you know yes fans i mean i i love awaken but even even awaken i i just there's oh you're doing all time ev- okay wow yeah all time i mean this song has everything i want to hear just as i want to hear it. and it's just it's just uh, the overall pacing and even the guitar licks it's just there's like space in between the guitar licks enough to just taste every beat almost it's like it's not too fast where you're just sort of like grooving and you miss it 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 slowed down you have the sound design you have the choruses you have i mean you have the the choirs female vocalists you know we talked about i mean all those fish songs where he brought in the female vocalist that i was going you know ape shit about i love hearing the female vocalist in like a duet type of thing um even have like time changes in here right and mm-hmm. uh, not that i could really care less about time changes but i mean you just have really everything is in here as an umbrella to this like i Pun when intended. I, yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> when when i hear this and just like the whole drama of it and being, everything being so sort descriptive, of when I hear this, sometimes I just sit back and go. I, I literally say to myself, "It just does not get any better than this." And like I'm just like I'm, I, and I almost say to myself, "Why haven't I listened to this like more often?" Even though I I do listen to this, you know, quite often. But but it's just it still shocks me when I when I when I go through it. I'm like, my God, this is really fucking good. And. Mm. Um, I almost think as much kudos as it has gotten over the years, and it has certainly has gotten respect, I think more people have heard this song, uh, maybe on the prog end of things, that would have, you know, this album would have even done better, even had more life to it. But, I mean, this song in particular just really does it for me. So, I just want to throw that out there, because I know, Joe, you had your own declaration, and I didn't, I didn't want to be out there by yourself in these uh, declarations. So I just wanted to add that.
0: Well, I I appreciate Tom. And it's very interesting, right? Because I actually have a note here that I had decided earlier that I wasn't going to read. And it's a question of is sweet sister Mary the best Queensryche song ever period. And you, you up the ante on that
3: one. So. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, I just absolutely, this song is just the cats meow. Uh,
1: like, yeah i i i think it is i think this is the pinnacle of Queensrÿche. this is Queensrÿche's awaken if you will you know i'm sure you can argue whether you know you think other songs after this but to me you know this is the pinnacle it doesn't get better than than all of this one i don't know if it's the best of all of them tom but it's such it's such a funny thing because it's so hard to to even compare and there's something you know about you said why don't I listen to this song more often? There's something about these two songs for me together: "The Mission and "Sweet Sister Mary," that if I can carve out 16 minutes, 17 minutes to just listen to these two songs, that's impressive, because once you start here, like it's hard to not just let it keep going. It almost has that brave quality to it. Like it's really hard now for me to just like pop in brave and like pick a track and play it, right? You know? Because once you get sure. started, you're you, you know you just look to start canceling plans and you know <laughs> let me just stay inside for you know the remainder. So it is really that that compelling of a of a song.
3: Yeah, we've talked before about how listening to an album from front to back can create some exhaustion, you know, especially like an album like The Wall. But when you just take out a song or uh, if, if, you, if you hear a song um, not, not in the whole thing, just separately, you really hear it differently. I think we talked about even this last week, and, and you, you, you hear it in a different light. And this, it, it's very difficult to do, like you said, Paul. But e- either way, when you, if you start from front to back, you're still blown away. And if you just you know go right into Sweet Sister Mary, you're still floored. And, um, you know, we, we, we've all had our CD players or whatnot, and, you know, maybe we, we have stopped it, you know, right around, you know, the, the mission or whatever, and then gone right into it. And then there isn't that exhausting yet. You, you, you haven't started it. And then you maybe have that, that much more yeah. um, fervor. And, but it, it still doesn't matter because, I mean, this, there's so many elements that we're going to talk about in the song, uh, that it just brings this to me is I mean, everyone has their definition of what they think you know their their favorite elements of Prague are or what they think Prague is this just to me is is Prague because it, it it just all the things I love to hear are in this song the way I like to hear
0: it. so I'm going to make a confession I was going to pose nope. it as, as I was no, going- no pun intended Joe no pun intended <laughs> ha See? See? I was going to pose this as a question, but I'm just going to step out and and do it. Because for many, many years, while I knew that there was a female track in the live performance, I had sort of convinced myself that Jeff Tate had put his nuts into a vice and sung the the merry parts on his own. It's
1: funny that you say that, Joe, because... It was a significant amount of time when and I thought the same thing. I mean, I think Jeff Tate always has his balls in a vice, so it didn't I didn't really think that, but but I felt like he had somehow masked his voice to be this other part. And and there are so many things about this song. So I'll just share I remember the night, the summer of eighty-eight. It was hot as balls, I had an air conditioning like a window air conditioner in my room. And I was listening to Operation Mind Crime pitch black in the dark going to sleep. And I was listening to this song. And, and she sings the line, I can't cry anymore. And the way she releases more of anymore, there's this breath. And my eyes just blew open. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my God, that's a woman singing. And it was like <laughs> I literally got up and turned the lights on, and I started <laughs> pawing through the cassette like a little tiny paper because I, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe it because it had been a, it could have been months that I was listening to this, so I'm with I'm right there with you
3: yeah it's that's a that's a great point, you guys i i, I I'm very similar to that uh, you know I, I think when you're sort of in the moment, Jeff Tate has that high end high high range voice where he can get away with that a little bit more than, than, uh, than other singers. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it, it, it's not it's,
0: out of the realm of possibility for Jeff to, to not. do that. And, right, and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, now if I, if I pay close attention, like you know, you can kind of tell, but, but without paying attention, her timbre is not that far off from his. Yeah. Right. They blend really nicely together in the,
1: in the duet portion. I, I, I I do want to go back to one of the, one of the things we talked about the first, the, the, the beginning with all of the sound design. One of there are so many favorite parts that I have here, but one of them is in his, is in the 10 AM verse when he gets to the end and he says, moving silent through the streets, they're mine. They're They're mine. mine. And, and I love the move in silent because it's a throwback to earlier when he says dangerous in my silence, deadly yeah. to my cause. And like he literally he's spending two hours roaming around in the rain, conflicted about what it is that he's got to do and what he he's going to do. And I just love like his dark observation is that like he owns this shit. Like he's seeing all these people. He's moving in in silent through the streets and he can take out any one of them at any time that he can and i just think that that is so powerful based on you know what he's been told to do and and what lays ahead of them.
2: i'm in awe of his lyrics here and I, i i made the case in the previous episode that i can hear every single word that's close but there is a lot of artful wordsmithing here that I don't necessarily catch each time through, looking at the lyrics, he's writing beyond his years like he did on the warning. If it wasn't for the warning, he probably couldn't have achieved this. That was his training ground to come up with such graceful words and it, it's almost coming out of a, a previous century. There, there, there's something antiquated about the voice that he uses that I really find appealing. Do You guys mm. catch what I'm saying here? It, it, it's, it's something biblical, religious, uh, classical in nature. I, I, I like what he pulls off here.
0: I feel exactly what you're saying, Ken. And, and here again, I think to your point, he's able to to sort of adapt his vocal delivery in a style that makes absolute sense in the setting of the story. Now, the other thing that really gets me about this, because this song is undeniably fantastic, brilliant. You're absolutely right in that the way he uses the language here, it's, dare I say, fish-like. In the, in the very careful way he uses it. But what's really amazing, and, and I say this with my tongue sort of firmly in my cheek, is that not only is Sweet Sister Mary a phenomenal song, period, it's also perhaps the greatest IRL ever written. <laughs> because he, he, he's talking about very graphic, earthy, dirty, nasty things But he does it in an exceptionally controlled and, dare I say, clever way. Let's walk through this a little bit, shall we? And I'm going to read the the first two stanzas just because they're beautiful and I want to. But we'll get into the IRL portion after after the second time stamp. So, Paul, you know, you already got us through the 10 p.m. I feel the rain coming down. My face feels the wet. My mind the storm. Think about that. My mind feels the storm. oh (laughs) Flashing lights as people race to find shelter from the poor, moving silent through the streets. They're mine. They're mine. Midnight. She sings praises in the hall to saintly faces. Hallowed be their name she can't recall. Sister Mary, Virgin Mary, silent with her sin. And then Mary comes in. What are you doing out in the rain? She feels me. I can taste her breath when she speaks. And that the hunger, the longing that Tate delivers that line, mm-hmm. it's palpable, right? You can scoop it off your turntable and do something with it. Um, and she says, quick,
3: I've, So before you continue, uh, you right there, you bring up something that I had a note for, and that is when Mary comes in, it's it's somehow not rushed there's a lot going on here i mean, yeah. I mean th- think about it we have a melody that's working um and then all there's of a sudden we have a, there's these lines, a choir singing like, before and after yeah and, and yeah and then yeah exactly and then you're just like but uh, everything is just so perfect uh and the, the more that you're adding here you're thinking like okay this is going to be a it's too much to, to grip, but somehow it's just done perfect. And the t- every t- every bit of timing is, is, is so well done. But go ahead, Joe. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's so true. And and then the the musical interlude in between the 10 p.m. and the 12 p.m. is one mm. of my favorite little guitar mm. lines all the time. I used to play it all the time. But while that's going on, you got rockenfeld going. Oh, yeah on the on the ride and it's it's so deliciously tasty and i i I remember we were all driving somewhere to to buy like a pa or something like that and jay was in the car and we were listening to this and like and and i was tapping out like some drum stuff and i was tapping this out and i remember jay saying he he was like well i didn't realize you paid that much attention to to the drums Ah. in these songs and I was like, how can you not? I mean, Scott Rockenfeld is unbelievable. Yeah, you have
0: to. So, so now once Nikki's in and we start talking with Mary, this is where all of the, uh, the IRLs come in. And that's Immoral Rock Lyrics, for those of you who have not listened to our previous episode on this. And this is where things really pick up. Mary, Mary, just a whore for the underground. They made you pay in guilt for your salvation. Thought you had them fooled. Now they sent me for you. You know too much for your own good. Don't offer me faith. I've got all I need here. My faith is growing, growing tight against the seam. Oh, Jeff, you naughty boy. What? What we need is trust to keep us both alive. Help us make it through the night. I've no more want of any faith. Bind my arm and feed my mind. The only peace I've ever known. I'll close my eyes and you shoot. Now, again, with what we're talking about, you can take that on any number of levels. I know what she's talking about, but maybe okay. not. So real quick,
1: I, I, I don't want to break your IRL mojo here, but the lines here so like the they made you pay in guilt for your salvation and my faith is growing growing tight against the scene right those are all the those are like backing vocals yeah so in my mind he's not really saying that to her right he's these this like his subconscious right Mm -hmm. explaining Mm -hmm. yeah you know a little bit more which i think is fantastic and absolutely and while i appreciate the irl reference i think that the especially the way she sings you shoot like her voice cracks oh yeah and like it's just it's like the the desperation and the like the the feeling of she's at the end of her road is really just powerful sorry continue
0: well yeah and and i mean you know we've 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 spent precious little time with mary but the time we spent is is yes. bleak right so that makes sense but you are right faith is a, a euphemism. And clearly, specific, yeah, clearly moving on. <laughs> I just lost my castigation credibility. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mary, listen, you've got to pull your strength from my lips. I pray I feed you well. So here again, Paul, and, and I'm glad you pointed it out. All of all of the innuendo parts are coming out of his his brain, if you will. It's not the, the main delivery. Your precious cross is gone. It made me wait so long for what you gave to everyone. The priest is cold and dead. On his knees he fed from my barrel of death. He turned the holy water red. As he died, he said, thank you. I just watched him bleed. And I think that pretty much ends the the sexual innuendo because, well, no, I feel the flow, the blessed stain, sweating hands like fire and flames, burn my thighs, spread in sacrificial rite. The hallowed altar burns my flesh once more tonight so apparently nikki took her on the altar like father william used to do that's not very nice
1: and well 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 he he did right but that was part of the whole thing i'm sorry i don't want to i don't want to break up your mojo here no go ahead right but that's the power i think that's the power of all of this right so this this poor woman is you know she's been diminished to the the very core Right. She basically feels completely worthless. And the only thing that, that, that gives her the ability to go on is whatever she's doing in this uh, holy order of pain or whatever with, uh, with, um, Father William. And, but because she's made to feel so worthless, she continues to uh, be abused by Father William and by apparently the operatives of Dr. X's operation mind crime and Nikki is if not one he is the one right mm-hmm. and and so like to me what's what's fantastically powerful about this is that you know Nikki's at the end of his rope he kills the priest the priest's response to being killed is thank you mary is basically saying i'll just close my eyes and you can shoot me and kill me and and then she talks about oh he's not going to kill her okay then w- one more time tonight Right. And, and they end up having sex in the middle of this song, right? Yeah. So she is at the very, very end of, of her core. And yet she's going to, you know, once again, do the, the one thing that's been expected of her all along. I just think that's sad it is. and incredibly powerful.
0: You know. and, and I think we're going to get the indication how, how Mary is too far gone here. So the the next section is one of my favorite sections in this song. Mm. Mary, my lady of pain, always alone. Blind, you search for the truth. I see myself and you, parallel lives, winding at light speed through time. That statement of affection there is, I think it's beautifully done. And it really, really moves me. But of course, we can't stay there because shit's happening all around us. And we got to get back into business. Uh,
1: while we have to get to this, there is a lot of shit that happens between this first, this first part, and no time to rest yet. Yes, right. So music comes down. They, they ha- there's this big sex scene, and then the music comes down. There's all of the what, what has we've come to really call the the Queen's right choir, the Sweet's yeah. Mary Choir mm-hmm. going on. There's more sounds of and then and then uh it it builds up again to the afterwards right right? and nikki gets up and proclaims okay we can't just we can't just lay here and leave there's more to do yeah
0: absolutely excellent point um no time to rest yet we've got to stop his game before madness has the final laugh too much bloodshed we're being used and fed like rats in experiments no final outcome here only pain and fear it's followed us both all our lives mm. there's one thing left to see will it be him or me there's one more candle left to light oh. now you know y- 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 you you got to give nikki credit right for for you know thinking he can pull this off but nikki's Nikki's not in Dr. X's league. He he has no <laughs> he has no business trying to light this this last candle here, as as we will see. So presumably Nikki's going to run off to, to fix everything. He's, you know, the big man, he and Mary love each other and they can overcome. But right on the heels of that, Mary responds with don't turn your back on my disgrace. The blood of christ can't heal my wounds so deep the sins of man are all i taste can't spit the memory from my mind Oof, i can't cry anymore and then it goes back into the mary my lady of pain section so you know wow ah yes and at the very end of that
1: winding through light speed at time it's the elongated uh bridge and then the final line is Mickey singing, you're mine.
0: Yeah. Ah. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, so, and, and, and Paul, you're absolutely right in calling out that, you know, that's just the lyrics. But musically, and, and Tom, I think this goes to your point, right? The, the, the progressive nature of this song, we're going everywhere. And, and, and I had a note here as well. Like you said, Tom, is it too much? There's so much going on here. It's like every gimmick in the book. You've got, you know, the the the, the sound design. You've got the the choirs. You've got, you know, all these different singers and uh, ah. The, but they pull but, it off. They land the yeah. fucking thing.
1: The transition yeah. to the to the fun part again. The. Dun, 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 dun. It takes me oh. back to the pro- the Prophet song by Queen, yeah. almost. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, this song was very hard for me to just write notes on because it's you just time. get sucked into it because from you're so emotionally into this. I mean, if it's really what you, anyone strives to do as a storyteller or a musician or whomever. Um, so just bring people into your world, suck them in and, and, you know, make them feel what you want to feel. And
0: Seriously, we could we could probably talk for two hours on these two songs, but if we're going to finish up, we probably have to move on.
2: You guys took all the fun parts of it and you left me with the buzzkill. So let's get this over with. Okay. So y- 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 you you alluded to what the outcome was here. But, you know, after all of the years have gone by and all the interviews have gone by, all, all Nikki N- N- Nikki was not a savior for Mary. All he managed to do was to trigger her worst fears and if you skip to the the final page here uh we we find that she's died with a rosary wrapped around her throat and uh after much speculation who killed mary there is i think in video mind crime a slide that flashes up the word suicide and they're telling you that she killed herself being unhappy with this life where where she's always stuck whether that be father william or nikki uh, she's never feeling loved. She's just feeling used.
0: Well, and I think yeah. I think that's exactly the power of Mary's last verse. Don't turn your back on my disgrace. Nikki, and, and I mean, shit. We've all been in, in relationship situations where, you know, you're just talking different languages. Nikki is all jumped up thinking, all right, I got to go get rid of Dr. X so we can take care of this. And Mary and I presumably can, you know, do our thing. And as he's running out the door, Mary's interpreting that as why are you leaving me? I need you here, and you're running away. And I mean, that's even more tragic, right? Because to your point, Ken, you know, Mary's interpreting that as the realization of her greatest fears. And that's yeah. that's just sad. Nikki has used her just like everyone else.
1: There is a there is a in that video live crime. There is a flash with Dr. X holding a rosary as though he's about to strangle someone. So they tried to trick us, but they they set us straight in in Operation Live Crime in the booklet. That's why I was looking for it, because the booklet pretty much tells you without telling you definitively. What other kind of buzzkills are there, Ken? That's That's the big one.
2: It doesn't get any bigger than that.
1: <laughs> That's what she said. Oh! oh. The, what, the, uh,
2: let's flip the cassette.
1: I have, to, I have to just confess one thing. Right around graduation, I had pretty much saved up like, all my money from Sears for the whole spring of that year to buy a guitar, which ended up being my white Ibanez that I've recently you know, begun my new love affair with. And I went to Guitar Center and one afternoon and was just basically went in and said, I want to buy a guitar and my budget's $500 and, you know, and they brought me a couple of guitars and and I kind of landed on the Ibanez, like RG, whatever. And they kept bringing me a couple of the different models for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And all I played was Sweet Sister Mary <laughs> <laughs> the entire
0: time I was there. <laughs> Fucking love it. <laughs> That's genius Alright, so so Ken encourages us To flip the cassette over Or in the case of the Vinyl redo, switch out the LPs And move into The Needle Lies So from, you know, what, however long the, the beautiful Mission and Sweet Sister Mary DeGarmo um, Sort of segment was We now come back To a tate wilton uh tour de force with the needle lies Mm. and as i said you know during the end of sweet sister mary what the fuck is nikki thinking nikki is he's not up to this and clearly he's not but it is it's another another huge riff this song just has frenetic energy which i think you know fits again perfectly with with the subject matter and 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 the the drums i mean scott's just out of his mind on this song yeah just out of his freaking mind and i love it
1: it's the perfect like respite after the emotional <laughs> roller coaster you've just been on for like the last 16 17 minutes this it's is a just, respite really <laughs> just just to go balls out right it's like exactly what you need mm-hmm. exactly
0: what you need and and it's you know, it's funny, we're talking about a respite, right? But you have that that, that breakdown in the middle of it with with the heavy breathing. And it, yeah. and the heavy breathing goes right back into that guitar riff because, you know, it's running from one place to the next. And ah, it's just, oh, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah.
2: And Jeff does not um, compromise in his style. The lyrics are still incredibly poetic. So you, you've got what's essentially an amped up, punk rock song or you know some kind of metallica style punk metal crossover uh but he's still very
0: artful here yeah
2: i love it i absolutely love it yeah
0: cold and shaking i crawled down alleys to try and scrape away the tracks that marked me slammed my face into walls of concrete i stared amazed at the words written on the wall Don't ever trust. Don't ever trust the needle. It lies. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a it's like he's coming to terms with his past sober all of a sudden. Right. Like he's trying to he's trying to change his future and his mind is going nuts because he needs drugs. Yeah. And like and, and he's looking at the words he's written on the walls that we talked about two songs ago and his mind is exploding it's fucking crazy
0: it is crazy and you know of course while nikki's having having this little revelation yeah i mean this is when mary's meeting her end right mm-hmm. and so all of the promise that was you know sort of near the end i'm not going to say at the end of sweet sister mary just gets taken away in in these next two tracks just like that
3: you guys really did say it well when so I mean, th- this is really what the album needs right now because Sweet sister mary really gave you a lot um really gave you a lot of drama uh, and a lot of depth and just the straight ahead nature of the song um with the depth in the lyrics that um, you mentioned, can I mean, it's still it doesn't stop being mind crime, but it, it, it's it's nice that it does give you a little bit of that metal feel. And it's it gives you almost the exact opposite feeling as if when an album sort of does that acoustic song. But it's because Sweet Sister Mary is sort of in its own place. It's in its own space. Um, the needle lies really gives you a break, if you will, from the heaviness, which and it just gives you more heaviness. It's it's sort of odd, but it, 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 in, a, in a very you know very crazy way, it does give you a break um, by giving you a different rendition of what you had before, and that is um, very interesting. Wow. So,
0: after failing to take care of Dr. X, presumably Nikki, I guess, goes back to the church, and we get electric requiem. Just, oh, it's heart-wrenching in certain regards. You get that... Mary? Mary? And you get that big, you know booming door closing and you know it's 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 both it's physical and metaphorical right because now all the dreams that nikki had are just they're gone he doesn't have access to that anymore now the one thing that's always confused me about this record is what the fuck the electric part is like is he trying to electrocute himself is he juicing up again? I mean, what, does anyone have any idea what the hell that part of it is? But, but the the expression even in death, you still look sad, right? And the don't leave me, don't leave me here. And that here that that Jeff just sort of ekes out, oh, it just, it pulls. It pulls at you.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Joe. I never you know that I want what you feel believe me so the current's on like I thought that was just what he was saying to get the guitar solo going like the current (laughs) I thought electric was electric guitar uh and just this moment I think and it's probably obvious you're just gonna laugh at me but I think at that point he finds Mary dead and he's like I'm getting a fix right here yeah and and maybe I'll OD and die
0: um,
2: you are correct, Mr. Zotter.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. And if that's the case, right? The the sound of that guitar solo, ugh, it just. Ugh. Yeah.
1: He says the um, "Don't leave me, don't leave me here." And there's like that um, or maybe it's before that, where the guitar is like like the with the effects, so eerie, isn't it? Yeah. It's like. It's like death personified somehow. I, I don't know. It's very, it's very powerful for a minute and
0: twenty three. It's like woof. Yeah, and 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 here again, right? So we talk about the, the the sound design aspects of of this record, but it's not just using you know canned sound effects. They're using their instruments in some cases to actually create these yeah. these effects and it's i just think it, it it it's never too much of any one thing you know yeah. it's just oh fucking brilliant the thing that's the thing that's kind of fun about the needle lies and electric
1: Re- requiem is that they're sort of throwbacks to rage for order um in in those things that you just described and just the like the pulsing guitar um the guitar riffs in in needle lies um very much like chemical youth and and maybe even uh screaming oh, a and digital. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it's cool, Chemical youth is definitely
3: Wilton that's his trademark I think without this section, you wouldn't have had all the people or you wouldn't have had that sticker on the cover comparing operation line crime to Pink Floyd. I think this section is the most Pink Floyd um especially with the don't leave me I mean it yeah. almost yeah sound like you know Roger Waters and, and it's not it's not a rip off I mean I, I'm you know it's it's just you know these guys were inspired by Pink Floyd yeah and you know there's just a little bit when you when you slow these when you slow this down meaning that when you you so the tempo the tempos and the, the screaming guitars and all that, I mean, there, there, there really is a little bit of a Pink Floyd. Um, maybe not, maybe a little bit more than a little, but there is a Pink Floyd influence and it definitely shows in this section.
2: I knew that this would be a long episode, so I'm doing my tax returns, right? And and I earned <laughs> money in the state of Massachusetts, and they asked me every goddamn question. Like, did I have a septic system in Massachusetts? Did I have this? Did I give to these charities? How much money did I give to the classic cat? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: how much money did I spend on BART? You know, I just, I, I can't believe how asinine Massachusetts taxes. I just had to share that.
0: All right. Unwilling to accept Mary's death, Nicky runs like a madman through the streets, calling her name. Everywhere he looks, he sees her face. Breaking the silence. And, and so this now starts the DeGarmo back half of the album. So again, we have a story change, right? Every, everything has now changed. So initially, the first segment was all about the revolution and becoming part of the revolution and making a change. Then it was realizing we're just being used and abused by these people. It's a different sort of power abuse than what we saw before. And hey, Mary, you and I, maybe we can get out of this, but no, that's not going to happen because I'm a junkie and you're dead and fuck you know so now you get this sort of deranged hopeless section here and it's really kind of funny because you don't looking back and knowing where we're going to end up you can you can kind of see it right but again sort of in this section they're able to to communicate this mental anguish and this this emotional fog that this character is working in it's it's so very personal. It's so very intimate. And until you you get to um, the eyes of a stranger, you don't realize just how dark and claustrophobic this all is at this point. You're just there. You're along for the ride. And it's beautiful. It's a drumming tour de force as well. It is. And, and, the drums, not only are they delicious, but they're so tight. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is one of those where it's like, you know, I, I was reading in, in Built to Build an, uh, Build an Empire that Neil Kernan Kier- was going to re- produce this at first. And whatever his schedule was messed up, and they had to settle for Peter Collins. Settle. Yeah. And, and like, and when I listen to this song, it's like, wow. Like, there's so much of that sort of there's there is really a a, a bit of that um it's going to sound crazy to to invoke power windows but there's like there's such a power windows feel to the way that the the drums are treated mm-hmm. like certain hits you can tell like you you just accept them for what they are but you if you listen to them just as drums and you think about it you can tell they were you know, they overdubbed a hit with certain reverbs and did, to really make the 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 um the 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 way go. But the way you know he comes out of the fill, you know, into the verses with the with the rolling hi hats. That you know, it's just it's just crazy. And and you know the I'm gonna I'm gonna say that breaking the silence and I don't believe in love are softer songs yeah. you know, compared to everything else we've heard on this album. And I mentioned a couple episodes ago that. I think these are sort of a uh, foreshadow to what we're going to experience on Empire. Agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, I don't know that they always landed as well as they did on these two, but, but I, but it's just, uh, these songs are probably, I don't know. There's something about the songwriting and the production of these that is different. I don't think, I don't necessarily know that they're better. Then, you know, the first, the first part of this album, because the first part of the album is, is, as we've discussed, incredible. There is something different about the way that these tunes are, are produced that are a little bit more elegant, um, which I think is, is sort of a, almost a um, juxtaposed the chaos that our main character is, is experiencing here. It's fascinating.
3: Paul, you're right. There is something, and it is very hard to put into words uh, because it's so subtle. Um, they're more palatable, if you will. But it's not like this album needs to be more palatable. It's just, it's just when you think it's perfect, there's just something more perfect. I mean, it's it's not like yeah. um, it's not like we needed to be more commercial. Um, not that. They necessarily did, but I mean, uh, well, yeah. I mean, actually, let, let's let's put it like it is. I mean, they are a little bit more commercial, and, and that's why they wanted to make these as videos, and and that's why it went, you know, from you know, selling a couple hundred thousand to doing what triple platinum or, or whatever. Um, so, uh, but, but it's 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 not like it's over the top. It's Agreed. just what it needed. Um, in 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 the story. But it, it just so happens to be a little bit more commercial. And- you
1: you almost kind of need it though, right? Because I mean, it's pretty bleak at the end of Electric Requiem, right? Right. So so at least something gives us a little bit of ah, or you know, oh wow, that's that's cool. Because the words certainly don't relent
3: at all. No. Breaking the silence really is an incredible. All right, let's. You know how we were talking about the other uh, last two weeks. We were talking about it was a silly conversation, but you know, heavy metal versus hard rock. And you know, Paul, you brought up okay. This is a foreshadow of you know Empire, and Empire is a little bit more hard rock as opposed to this. Um, the majority of this is metal. Um, yeah. It's almost like breaking the silence and um i don't believe in love they sort of somehow secretly morph into the hard rock (laughs) and it's you don't really realize it but now we're in a different almost a different genre everything sort of fits but we're sort of we're in a a little bit more of a comfort zone if you will
1: and yet there is nothing hard rock about the guitar solos in "Breaking the Silence." They're fucking kick ass, and right. I can I I'll tell you at at three minutes and eleven seconds, I think it's DeGarmo pulls off one of the fucking coolest licks of all time. He like it's it's almost this it's almost like a this it's like this atonal ride up. And then he holds onto a note and then he like comes down and it's just like, it sounds so random. And then right at the last like four notes, he like palm mutes them. And it it's like, it's like complete, it's like completely out of control. And then like, he brings it all together and then makes it into a, a melody. And it's just one of, one of my favorite and, and, you know, and, and him and Wilton are trading off and
0: they're just monsters. It's fantastic. So if we look at the lyrics here, at least some of them and and here it's another one of those trap songs, right? Jeff starts out nice and low. Oh, this one I got, I got this one. No, <laughs> you, no, you, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't even try punk. They told me to run, but just how far can I go wearing the black mask of fear? I love the way that line comes out. Yeah. Um, the hate in my eyes always gives me away, the tension building slowly. Now I've lost everything I had in you. Nothing we shared means a thing without you close to me. Um, breaking the silence of the night, can't you hear me screaming? I look for your face in the neon light. You never answer me. Um, and and those chorus parts, that's where Jeff just leaves you in the dust, right? Because he just... Yeah. He just slides up there. And the first time, maybe you can almost get through. But by the second chorus, you I'm done. Whatever. But he comes back down. gives us a break. There's no direction to my stare. No more flame burning in my heart anymore. Quiet, I keep it to myself until the sun sets slowly. I hear your voice in the evening rain calling. Nothing will keep us apart. No more lies and fear. There's no end to our story. Ugh. And then um, the last verse is probably my favorite. Actually, I guess it's not even a a verse, but can't look back. It's just a waste of time. Can't erase this hate from my eyes. Yeah. You know, and and the way he delivers that is delightful and
2: wonderful. That's where I was going with this. Paul, you mentioned the guitar solos are amazing and they do the trade-offs and the energy level is so high And it's almost too high to go back to verse. So he's got this can't look back section. Mm. It's so perfect. And it's actually really short, but it functions as an entirely different perspective of the song. It's fantastic. And then it brings Mm. us back into the, I mean, I guess, I guess it is a verse, but it just, it just functions differently than the rest of the verses. I mean, he's, he's singing in a different register. It's just fantastic.
0: And 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 this is this is a case where the vinyl suffers woefully because there's a vinyl break here, oh, and <laughs> I am not kidding, oh and it is so disruptive because obviously, and if we if we read the extra bits here in the book, the police arrest Nikki. The charges are disorderly conduct, carrying a concealed weapon without a license, and resisting arrest. They know he's a junkie because of the tread tracks on his arms his weapon also matches the one used in a string of killings nikki isn't making much sense now babbling about perverted priests some kind of covert operation and not believing in love why'd you do it we know you did it why'd you do it and and that's, that's the when you got only
2: gotta... sound effect on here that i feel like they threw in at the last minute <laughs> like, oh we don't have time to hire actors <laughs> okay all right, Scott, you just get in there and just 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 whisper something. Like so, like it, it, the, the why'd you do it? Always sounded like they just pulled that out of their ass really quick.
0: Well, it doesn't so, get any better when you have to stop and flip the record over to hear it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ken, Ken, I don't know at which point in time
1: you pointed this out, but ever since you did, I can't unhear it. Oh, what did like, I say? There, it's like you got to why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why did you do it? And it's all these voices. And somewhere buried beneath those, all those voices, there's one that goes, why'd you do it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, Croucho, Croucho Marks. <laughs> that's funny. Maybe that's a detective or something. Oh, my gosh. It was, well, the, the, the whole album, I got to say. For me, it's, it's an incredible comic book. I'm not a huge comic book fan. I believe they call them graphic novels these days. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. This is an incredible graphic novel. And that's why it's not a problem that they don't show the murderers. It's not a problem that you just have these metaphors of the candles. It's not a, a problem that it's not literal. It's just so good in its genre, and whatever it is. It it, it 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 it's a fantastic you know suspension of disbelief, mm. and it delivers exactly what you need to know, and you can ponder whatever you want. But this is the story, and it's
0: beautiful. So that leads us into. I don't believe in love, Paul. You've already made the comment, and it matches a note that I have here, pointing towards empire, because you. You get those clean right guitars that are going to be so prevalent. And and Eddie, what that does is it, and we're going to talk about this on the next two records as well, but it gives Eddie Jackson so much room to be just a oh, fucking yes. monster. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs>
0: and, and Eddie takes that. And it, it's not like he's overwhelming with it. But man, it's just like it's like eating a big comfort stew or something, right? It just fills really, you up and makes you feel good. <laughs> Seriously. He's not really he's not really
1: that flashy when he gets those moments. He's more just like, yo, fucking check this out. And he
0: just does it, you know? <laughs> and it's so great. And and we have to give uh, Take credit, and I'm trying to find it here. Um, the lyrics here are absolutely fantastic, but the fact that Jeff somehow works in the phrase "raison d'être" is phenomenal. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now he doesn't—he doesn't articulate the last syllable of "raison d'être," but I'm going to give him a pass on that one just because he gets it in there. Yeah, these lyrics are are fucking killer. I woke on impact, under surveillance from the camera eye, searching high and low. The criminal mind found out the scene of the crime, handcuffed and blind. I didn't do it. She said she loved me. I guess I never knew, but do we ever, ever really know? She said she'd meet me on the other side, but I knew right then I'd never find her. Because I don't believe in love. I never have. I never will. I don't believe in love. It's never worth the pain you feel. No more nightmares, I've seen them all. From the day I was born, they've haunted my every move. Every open hand's there to push and shove. No time for love, it doesn't matter. And, and those quick phrases, it doesn't matter, um, I didn't do it, right? The way that, yeah. that Jeff just kind of hurries up and gets those out is perfect. I love it. She made a difference. I guess she had a way of making every night seem bright as day. Now I walk in shadows, never see the light. She must have lied because she never said goodbye. So here again, Jeff is now articulating this sort of ambiance and feeling that I spoke to a couple of minutes ago. absolutely beautiful. He goes through the uh, the the chorus again, I don't believe in love I never have I never will. I don't believe in love. I'll just pretend she never was real. Oh, that's a just a painful way to deal with all this shit. Mm. I don't believe in love. I need to forget her face. I see it still. And I want to say that's another Scott Rockenfield beautiful little drum fill, isn't it? Right there. (laughs) Like I can hear it in my head, even though, you know, whatever. No chance for contact. There's no raison d'etre. So for those, you know, I I looked it up because I wanted to be sure. I knew essentially what it was. But um, the Oxford uh, Languages Dictionary says that raison d'etre – is a noun, meaning the most important reason or purpose for someone or something's existence. So Nikki has no reason for existence at this point, right. which is very sad.
2: It's a bit of a reverse gift of the Magi. Yeah. In which, the in that story, the couple makes personal sacrifices to buy the other gifts, and in this one, they both feel slighted as if they... Been dissed by the other. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have to call attention to this site that I use, Song Meetings, to get lyrics. And I wanted to ask uh, James and Brian, the authors of the unauthorized biography, who was in charge of the umlaut and the typesetting? That must have been quite a responsibility. But if you look at this site, Song Meetings, the name Queensreich. Comes through with like some kind of weird ampersand thing, like in a URL. Okay, because of, because of the umlaut, and 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 it's Queenser ampersand yemelche
1: <laughs>
2: with, with with the c h e being the end of Queensryche, but it looks like a, a Latin che, <laughs> and the and the y u m l must be the ASCII characters for whatever that. Umlaut is when it mysteriously right. appears over a letter for which it does not belong. Wow. Yes. So yes. That's fine. Queenser and Yamlche. Carry on.
0: So we've got nine minutes to see if we can finish this up and get uh, Mucho out. Not that I want to shortchange the rest of this record, but I'm just saying. Yeah. But I just gotta say perhaps the, the the most magnificent
1: moment of I don't believe in love is the outro where they re they keep building the vocals on the pain that you feel oh yeah um that is special
0: moment excellent call out it really is and and that sort of you know crescendos into waiting for 22 which I, i mean in in some respects right um it's almost the end of the story and we have to sort of i don't know do we uh, I guess this is where we go to where we started in the beginning, right? Cause we have that sort of buildup with the hospital or maybe just, you know, Nikki's right. tension explodes, whatever the case may be. Um, so I don't really have much for waiting for 22 other than it's, it's excellent connective tissue. We've, you know, we've covered a lot of progressive and concept albums in this and we have sometimes given credit to and sometimes taken points away for um, bands, and I'm looking at you, Marillion, for when they want to use connective tissue and when they just choose not to. And I think, you know, I this, this track is very short. It, it doesn't bring a whole lot, but it accomplishes what it needs to do in that it gets us from I don't believe in love into my empty room, which is really where everything kind of comes to a head. Yeah.
1: I mean, it is a fantastic guitar solo. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. I got the clearly twice.
3: (laughs) Clearly. I think these last few songs are, you know, the the story has already taken place and this is more of a sum up. It's the epilogue, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but I mean, I think, and, and I guess we can, you know, once again, it's kind of nice not having to, not that you're ever doing this in the beginning, but it's nice just to have a moment with a song and you're not like so depressed about a, a character, you know, you're sort of in this very dark place We're out of the dark place into another dark place, but it's not as dark. And, you know, the story has slowed down to a point where we can sort of rest. And this is a, you know, the epilogue sums it up.
0: Well, and and, I mean, you, you can't go at the pace that this character, this story, this album has been going nonstop. You have to, at some point, just fall over. And that takes us into empty room. I find these lyrics to be so chilling. The, the sense of aloneness that they convey is it's absolutely terrible. And, you know, we have to, I, I think we have to, I have to personally, you know, think of the, the back part of Pink Floyd's, the wall. This is when Pink's sitting in the, in the stall and, and, struggling with himself empty room today and here i sit chalk outline upon the wall i remember tracing it a thousand times the night she died why there's no sleep today i can't pretend when all my dreams are crimes i can't stand facing them and then of course he lets loose now who will come to wash away my sins clean my room, fix my meals, be my friend. And then we get into the, you know, the outro of of my empty room, the intro of Eyes of a Stranger, however you want to look at it, that is just so empty spaces. (laughs) I mean, it just, you know. and, And I don't necessarily think that that's accidental either. You know, it, I think it's it's a it's a an appropriate not tip of the cap to the masters of of this, right? At least that's yeah. how I choose to interpret it. I, I choose nice. to interpret it the same way. Sorry, my favorite line
2: is "nurse."
0: Mm. <laughs> you know, again, we get the build up into "eyes of a stranger," and what always struck me from the very first time I heard this to when I listened to it today is the way everything opens up with eyes of a stranger. And it's, it's like, you know, it, not that I've ever gone on any sort of drug filled binge or anything like that, but the closest I can maybe think about is, you know, when you're really, really ill and you're you've got these fever dreams and you can't rest and everything's kind of weird and and then finally you fall asleep and you wake up that next day and your head kind of is like whoa I'm human again and mm-hmm. and like i said the the first time through this you're maybe not aware of how much this music and and these lyrics are closing in on you and and how constrained everything feels until you get to the opening of eyes of a stranger and, and Jeff's vocal delivery and the music, it, it has that sort of made again feel to it. Mm. Um, it's not, it's not a particularly happy ending, but to me it's very palpable, the feeling change in all of that. And I think it's a, it's an exceptionally balanced song. And it does have more excellent drum fills. Like, why am I here and for how long? It's just odd oh, at right. it all. It's oh, great. Yeah.
2: And that's the only lyric on the album that kind of made no sense to me. I mean, it does. But it, it's so different than the rest of it. Just the way they stop there. Yeah. I think Of, it- of all the things he could say in the hospital in this haze. It's just that simple. Why am I here? And for how long? I mean, I guess that gets to the root of his memory loss and his absolute utter destruction as a human soul. I mean, if that's all he can say.
1: Yeah. I I think it's, you're, you're right on. I mean, it, it, it's the perfect tie. He's struggling to remember what, what, what put him there and, and what is happening to him. And it's, it's it's culminating into that, which ends with the the loop, the turn of the wheel, as Joe mentioned uh, at the at the beginning of our I think our first episode on this, where yeah you know brings
0: us back to I remember now, uh, and and obviously you know used this and and the video as sort of you know the the synopsis for the story, if you will, right? It, it introduced all of the the different parts of it all. Um, I I don't know. I just, there's, there's a lot about this song that sort of recommends itself. And I do, like I said, I like the fact that it it just circles right back because Mm. you don't ever have to leave if you don't want to, unless you have the expanded CD version, in which case, you know, it's all fucked up, but that's a whole different story. Mm. You can't Mm. walk away now. Is this all that's left of my life before me? Straightjacket memories, sedative highs. No happy ending like they've always promised. There's got to be something left for me. Ooh. Ugh. Operation Mindcrime. I said at the start of this three-episode extravaganza, um, four if we consider the live versions, which I want to look at, I said at the top of this that this was hands down the best concept album of which I am aware. A very careful um, qualification, although I I can't imagine if there was a better concept album that I wouldn't be aware of it. And I have not changed my mind. One iota.
3: Mm.
2: (laughs) I would change three things on the backside of this album. I... Love the Foreigner songs, the, the adult contemporary rock that they achieved here, the polished sound. I, I love them when they start. I love the verses, and I would take away all three choruses, breaking the silence over and over. I don't really need to hear that chorus. Uh, oh, but- I don't believe in love. I definitely never need to hear that chorus. And, and, and even Eyes of the Stranger, I get it. I get it, dude. Uh, yeah, stranger eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you could take away that chorus, and and it would still be an amazing album. Like the, I, the verse words are just typical amazing Rank, but I, I they kind of overdid the choruses for me. So no, I, maybe you guys can counter and you the, know this is the the genius of DeGarmo or
0: something. The only counter that I. Can- the only counter that I'm going to offer you up is um, on Breaking the Silence. If you cut out the choruses, you cut out all that beautiful ride symbol work that freaking Scott brings again. I love the rides in those choruses. Okay. But but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, after everything we've gone through... And, you know, the sheer musical genius of The Mission and Sweet Sister Mary, it, it's a fair point that this the the album basically ends on three songs with, dare we say, obvious big hook choruses. I mean, you know, it we, we've perhaps come to expect a little bit more, but I do think it serves the story, so I'm not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over it.
2: In that same Eddie Trunk interview, Jeff reveals how he took Chris to see Peter Gabriel and I'm dying to know which tour exactly that was so I can mm. dissect what they would have been watching.
0: I mean, would it have been the So tour? If it was if it was, you know, contemporary with this because this was released in what 88 right so came out in 86 peter gabriel was touring in what 86 87 that's what they would have seen it was it was presumably either that or the secret world tour for us immediately afterwards but
2: no it would have been whatever was right before it did they i mean
0: so you thinking they saw peter gabriel on the security tour
2: Yes, that uh, that would, would
0: be amazing. That right? would be the plays live tour. That would be amazing. Mm. That would be. Oh, mm.
2: yeah. I'm I'm guessing that they were too busy to go to a lot of concerts. You know, I I, I, did, I wasn't happened.
0: sure what the context of the uh, of the, the thing was. So yeah, if it was if it was when they were younger, then it would have been the security tour. So
2: plays live was released in '85. So the material was. Oh, wait, originally issued as a double-play album, long-play cassette, in 83, so it could have yep. been 82. Yeah, yeah, that, and then that would have been formative. I'd like to think that it was the security tour of the place live.
0: Well, according I mean, I to mean, Mr. Sotter that is the definitive versions of a lot of these songs. It is for me. I mean, that 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 would explain how
2: Mr. Tate you know, mobilized Mr. DeGarmo. He just kind of programmed him with this perfect Peter Gabriel experience.
1: Well, I, you know, it's funny, Joe. You know, with your declaration, as Tom put it, you know, it's. I always look at these albums as different. Like it, it's almost like I, I look at the wall. I look at misplaced childhood, brave. I mean, obviously, you can't take them out of the context of the of the band right as to when they come in. But I always kind of look at them separately, right? Like is The Wall my favorite Pink album? Pink Floyd album, I don't know. Is Brave? Yeah. But but like it's not it's not like all the rest and it's hard to compare. It's hard for me. It's hard to compare Operation Mindcrime to The Wall and say one is one overachieves the other. But you know and, and for me, The Wall, Brave, and Operation Mindcrime are, you know, tops.
2: What would I have to do to get you to put The Lamb Lives down on Broadway in that list? I'm
3: trying, <laughs>
1: dude. I'm, I'm trying. Joe surprised me with a, a vinyl recording of it, and I'm trying. So, Sweet. you know, it's not lost yet.
2: Because I, I think the story in Mindcrime is much closer to Lamb. You know, you have a a tough guy who thinks he's got it all together who just loses his shit completely. So I, I, I see Nikki and Rail being mm-hmm. very closely linked.
0: Yeah, the difference being that Peter describes all of Nicky's, or Rail's visions. <laughs> I suppose that Nikki just sort of ob- uh, obliquely refers to them. <laughs> I think about riding the scree. That whole sequence is just bizarre in lamb, but absolutely beautiful. Um, I still go back to, you know, you, now you've got me thinking about that. Um, carpet, is it Carpet Crawlers? Yeah, Carpet Crawlers is just, oh, I love that song. I'm so glad that they did it live, even if it was truncated and weird, but it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about Lamb Lice Down on Broadway. That is the ever-popular episode 66, which will forever live in palever lore for various reasons. But this brings us to the end, finally, after, what, six-plus hours? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, we understand that this was a self-indulgent treatment of this record, but we decided that it was worth it to us. And quite frankly, I think, I think all of the conversation we've had around this record has been relevant and engaging and entertaining. I will see if I still feel that way after editing all six plus hours of this. My gosh. But, um, I, you know, I think there is much here to recommend this. And I think, you know, I, I suspect that in the next two releases from Queensryche, when we talk about Empire and Promised Land, we're probably going to dance around, you know, questions of integrity and selling out and all this other bullshit and and creative decisions with regards to music. And I don't, I, I don't think that's part of this record. I think this record is it's accessible it's brilliant but it's a heavy metal record and, yeah. and i don't think there's really a whole lot of room to argue that point agreed so we've threatened then uh, presumably next week we'll we'll talk about the the live treatments so i have a couple of different versions available for that obviously there's the original operation live crime which was recorded back in 91. There is Mind Crime at the Moor, which was recorded in, what, 04, 5, or 6, something like that. My understanding is that it has some interesting aspects to it. It's, you know, it's it's a relatively modern recording, so it's it seems to be pretty good. Um, I mean... One of the things apparently that mind crime at the Moor does is very explicitly show the death of Sweet Sister Mary. So I'm curious to to, wow. to experience that, and it may or may not also include Operation mind crime Two. So I need to I need to just you know dive in and, and take care of that. The expanded super duper deluxe edition box set has two additional um, full recordings, one from 1990 and one from 1994, which is interesting. Those sonically to me are not great. Paul, I don't know if you've listened to those yet. I haven't. Um, I'm, I'm interested to go through there, not because I want to spend a whole lot of time on them because they're audio only, um, but I am curious to see how and if the interpretation changed in those four years at all. Um, but I, for me, mainly, I'd like to consider Operation Live Crime and, and Mind Crime at the Moor as the, you know, the, the, the subject matter, if you will. I have recently watched Operation Live Crime. And it is every bit as delightful and wonderful as I remember it being when we first got it on VHS, low all those years ago. Because did we go to see live crime in 1991? We must have. Yeah,
1: I, we, we did on the Empire tour.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so we saw it, and I seem to recall being at the edge of our seat waiting because you knew they had to release a video of that. They had to. yeah. And when I remember, you know, when they did, it was, I want to say it was right around like, what would it have been? Thanksgiving break of our senior year in college, maybe something like that. Or maybe it was Thanksgiving the year after we graduated, something. Um, I just remember our, you know, our wishes were granted. And so I want to look into that. I want to, you know, maybe talk about it. Maybe we don't talk for two hours for once. Crazy thought. Oh, I can imagine that. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've, I think we've covered so much about the music and the lyrics and the sound design. So really it comes down to, you know, did they change their interpretation of any of these songs? How did the staging work? Um, you know, there there are definitely some aspects to the performance and the staging from Live Crime that I'm keen to sort of explore a little bit. And again, I need to look at, at Mind Crime at the Moor and see, uh, you know, in, in the course of those, uh, what would that be, 12 years, 13 years? You know, yeah. how, how did... How did they, they redo that? And how was it without Chris DeGarmo? Right? Right. Right. That That's an interesting concept. But any other closing thoughts on Operation Mindcrime itself, gentlemen? Oh, by the way, I did speak incorrectly. The two Mindcrime full performance recordings are from 90 and 91. Um, the 94 recording is my empty room at in London in 94. So it's not the full deal. Yeah. Um, and that's all still DeGarmo up until that point. Yeah, that's still DeGarmo. Absolutely. All right. So any last thoughts on operation mind I think we've said enough. I think I've said everything okay. I have to say. Awesome. Well, Imagine guys in that, believe it or not, well, guys, I appreciate uh, you coming along for this, you know, again, admittedly self-indulgent trip into Operation Mindcrime. I'll be curious to see how much time we spend on Empire and Promised Land and, um, and you know, what we do after that. Um, but anyway, for now, certainly appreciate you gentlemen coming along and adding your thoughts to what was a very lively and lengthy discussion. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.